Greetings everyone, uh, this is Keith Rosen. Welcome to our next session here of Coaching and Coffee with Keith. I'm excited for you to be here. Uh, thank you for taking time out of your busy day uh, to be here. I certainly admire your commitment to your continued evolution. So that being said, a uh, couple of uh, housekeeping notes here. First and foremost, before we dive in, uh, I'm finally leaving New York. Uh, I am, and that's not a bad thing, but I have not been in an airport since 2020, February of 2020. I'm finally taking my first trip next week, which is why this is the last session until May. And I'm so happy to say I'm going to two of my favorite countries, Germany and Switzerland. So I'm sharing this with you because my friends that live in Germany and Switzerland reach out to me let me know you're there and maybe we could connect while we're there. So, by the way, can everyone hear me okay? All right. Well, let us keep going. Hey, and I'm so happy to say I'm going to two of my favorite so countries. So, what we're going to be doing now is I want to just so set, the, set the kind of landscape here of what we're going to be talking about for the next uh, 45 minutes uh, without further ado here. So, um, being the topic of sales, let's just kind of even the playing field right now. Uh, a couple of stats just to share with you first, and I hope the questions are going to start coming in. Uh, first and foremost, uh, in 2021, 69% of salespeople missed their quota. Okay. Right now is the highest level of disengagement in organizations. It's about 86%. And finally, if you're wondering why you're struggling so much with selling more these days, is because of this. 76% of organizations have changed the way they sell. What does that mean? They've changed their buying process. They've changed their procurement process. They've changed the number of uh, uh, people that are involved in the decision-making process. They've changed their criteria of making a decision, how they prioritize, all of these things, okay? So with all of these changes, here's the scary part, everyone. Only 17% of companies have changed the way they sell. That's scary, and that's why we're here today. So uh, just to share a little more, I, I'd like to open it up to some questions here. Uh, I got my glasses on here in order to start, so let's see what we got. I got all of my uh, questions right here, and let's go ahead and start answering them now. All right, we have a question here. Uh, let's see. Uh, with all the changes that are going on today in sales, what, what, what is the question here? With all the changes going on in sales, what can we do to differentiate ourselves from our competition? So let's, let's take a look. Well, what are you doing today to separate yourself from your competition? Anyone? Anyone? Okay, well, here's the thing. If you notice the first slide I shared with you, it was called the consultative coach. And, uh, over the years, I've been working with managers, of course, spending time with them, helping them uh, achieve better results by becoming better coaches. So helping them get the very best out of their people. And for the last 20 years, I've been saying, wait a second, we're missing something. There's another competitive edge here. 
What if every salesperson, what if every salesperson actually transforms into a coach as well? Okay, so if you're still selling the way you were, you know, two years ago, you're already set up for failure. So we hear this word coaching thrown out all over the place. What does that even mean? What does the word coaching even mean? Well, let's even the plank go. I'm not going to go ahead and share with you a boring academic definition of coaching here. I'm going to share with you basically a very simple definition. And the simple definition is this. Coaching is the art of creating possibility. That's it. Coaching is the art of creating possibility. So think about it. In every conversation, you are either driving your own agenda and pushing for that sale, or you're asking questions to seek to understand what each customer wants so that you can align their buying strategy with your selling strategy. So let's take a look and see what other questions are coming in right now. Okay, I have another question here. Uh, Keith, uh, what can you do right now to maintain your level of confidence in today's uncertain world? Uh, <laughs> I, I'm sorry to say to everyone, but um, you've been lied to, okay? Uh, confidence is a social construct. And we believe that our confidence is created based on our results. And that is a very faulty model. So what's the new definition that we could buy into? What's a new definition of, of confidence that we could buy into? Because the one now doesn't work, does it? The one now does not work. See, the one now is, well, gee, when I get results, my confidence goes up. When my confidence goes up, I get better results. Well, wait a second. Ooh, I just missed a really big sale. What happens to my confidence? It drops. Uh-oh, my confidence is down. What happens to my next engagement or conversation with a prospect or customer? Doesn't go very well. This is the quintessential definition of a sales slump, everyone. So why do we attach our confidence to results? Everyone works on this same definition. So I'm here to shatter this definition. What if you can create the unconditional confidence of a champion? What if you're confident because you're confident? What if confidence now is no longer connected to your results? So try this on. I'm confident because I'm confident. I'm confident because I already proven myself and my self-worth. That doesn't mean you're not striving for excellence anymore. It just means that your confidence has no relationship to results. Otherwise, we're allowing external situations to dictate our internal condition. So I believe another question just popped in. Let's see what we have from uh, Brian. Brian, how do you recommend? Let's see. I think I can go ahead and post this one. All right. How do you recommend getting in alignment with a prospect to better understand what's important to them? Wow, that's a billion dollar question right there. So uh, <laughs> alignment, one of my favorite words. 
When you're coaching, as I shared with you, coaching is the art of, 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 drive, of creating responsive uh, outcomes, the art of creating response, uh, possibilities. When it comes to uh, creating new possibilities with your customers, how do we create alignment? How do we create that buy-in? Let me throw the question up right now. Well, I'm going to share with you one of the most powerful tools that as a salesperson, a sales leader can use, and that's called the art of enrollment. Let me, let me say that in a different way. If you don't take the time to align your intentions in a conversation, the universal law is this. When intentions aren't clear, people default to fear. So if you're looking, for example, uh, you know, to this to this question here, Brian, how do you recommend getting in alignment with a prospect to better understand what's important to them? This is a wonderful opportunity to set positive intent. Again, think about it. Your prospects are getting bombarded every single day. How are you going to separate yourself from your competition? Okay. Well, the first one we talked about is through coaching. And just to recap again, on our last session, when we were working with uh, on sales leadership and managers, we talked about how leadership is a language and the language of leadership is coaching. Well, guess what? Sales is a language and the language of sales is coaching. And part of that is enrollment. So let me give you a, a, just a quick example right off the top of my head what that could sound like. If I'm speaking to a prospect, one of the things that I would ask them is, and this is before I go into my, my questions, because if you don't tee up expectations and intention and you start just driving questions at them, they're not going to understand your intentions. Okay, so here's what it could sound like. Mr. and Mrs. Prospect, I really appreciate you taking the time with me today to chat about what we can do for you. Um, I have some questions that I'd love to ask you because I don't want to assume anything about your company, your needs, your goals, and your current situation. So I was hoping to ask you a few questions to get a better understanding of what your specific needs are, challenges are, so I can provide a custom situation, a solution for you. Are you open to exploring that? Oh, and by the way, everything we discuss is always held in the strictest of confidence. I love that last part because when you set confidentiality, you'll actually wind up getting about 30% more information than you normally would. So that's enrollment right there. Let's, let's uh, see what other questions are popping up right here. Let's see what's coming in. Okay, here we go. Got another question here. It looks like this question is coming in. Uh, Keith, um, I'm noticing that my presentations are not as effective as they used to be. What can I do to change the quality of my presentation? Well, I'll tell you what. This isn't a PowerPoint presentation, guys, but I happen to tee up a couple of slides to help give you a very specific example of what good coaching questions look like and how you can truly deliver the perfect presentation, or as I call it, the perfect coaching conversation, whether it's with a prospect or whether it's a, whether it's with a customer. Because let's face it, it gets old showing up and throwing up on people. All right, you have to grab their attention immediately. 
And the only way to do that is by uncovering what's most important to them. So I'm going to actually pop up a couple of slides now. I hope this works. Let's see how it is. Okay, here we go, everyone. All right, looks like... Uh, all right, looks like we are in good working order right now. So what I'm gonna share with everyone right now, and by the way, I have some gifts to give everyone at the end of the session, so I really hope you're gonna hang out until the end where I can share with you some really great gifts that are gonna help you uh, be a better salesperson in this remote time of selling, okay? So let me go ahead and start with this first slide. As we talked about, the universal definition of coaching, the art and language of creating new possibilities. It gets really old and boring driving your agenda all the time. So how do you create new possibilities? Well, you can go in with what most salespeople do with their 200 slides and say, hey, Mr. and Mrs. Prospect, I have 200 slides to share with you, and uh, I know they're really important to me, so I'm sure they're important to you. So uh, I'm going to go through them in painful detail, okay? No, you've already lost them. Okay, what questions do you ask to align your presentation with the prospect's expectations and decision-making process? These are five non-negotiable questions that every salesperson needs to ask in the beginning of every conversation or presentation. Uh, now, I'm going to highlight these just to point them out because I want you to see are you really asking all these questions? If you're not selling more, I can tell you straight up, it's because of the questions you're missing up front, okay? And these are the deeper questions that we need to be asking. And notice here on the top of the page, to ensure we deliver on your expectations, may I ask you a few questions that will help facilitate our conversation? And again, guys, I will be sharing all of this with you, okay? So let's start going through these questions. Number one, before you start your conversation, set expectations. Quite frankly, if you don't ask these questions, you're making some costly assumptions about what they want, what they need, and what's most important to them. So check out these questions. Number one, just to confirm, how much time do we have for our meeting? You ever get a meeting cut short? That's why, all right? And even if you've scheduled a meeting with that prospect, you and I both know life gets in the way. So remember, <laughs> make sure you ask this question so you get a good sense of how much you have and, and how much time you have to share to deliver your compelling message. Look at number two. To ensure I meet your expectations, what information is most important to you that you'd like me to focus on most? Either you're assuming what's important to them or you're assessing and you're seeking to understand their point of view because these are the questions that are going to actually customize your presentation. Now, your prospect or customer is actually going to tell you exactly how to facilitate the conversation and what information is most important to them, which leads to number three. What criteria is most important to you in making an investment like this? Number four, what's your typical vendor selection process? And one of my favorite questions that if you're not asking, please start asking this. 
Before I share with you more about my products or service, what do you already know about? Fill in the blank. What do you already know about me? What do you already know about our company? What do you already know about our products or services? This question is so critical because everyone is coming to every conversation with assumptions and your prospects and customers are coming to every conversations with assumptions. For example, what if you're speaking to a prospect for the first time and they're coming to the call and they have some of these assumptions riddled in their head like, oh, I heard they're really expensive. Delivery might take a little longer than normal. Um, product availability isn't that great these days. Uh, and it's really impacted their quality. Okay, well, if I don't ask a question like before I share with you, um, uh, uh, things about my company and about our products and services. What do you already know about us? What do you already know about our deliverables? Pull out those assumptions right away so you can address them and diffuse them. Because if you don't, you're going to be sacrificing your time delivering a presentation that quite frankly, no one's listening to anymore. Now, we just talked about the first questions that you need to tee up in order to, to set expectations of your meeting. Now, what about the end? What about the end of the meeting? What do you do then to continue to not only set up next steps, but to hyper qualify every selling opportunity and diffuse initial objections? Now, again, these slides I'm going to share with everyone in the next post but keep in mind, ask yourself, reflect on these questions. Are you truly asking these questions at the end of every sales conversation? Number one, how are you feeling about our conversation and what we discussed so far? If you don't ask that question, how do you ever get good feedback from your prospects and customers? Number two, did we achieve your objectives? How so? A yes or a no is not good enough. You want to go deeper to understand how did we achieve your objectives? That information is critical for you to continue honoring best practices when you're out selling. Number four, or excuse me, number three, what stands out as most important to you? That certainly will help you identify what areas of your presentation and areas of focus are most important to your prospects. Number four, what do you, what do you, excuse me, what about a product or service you find most valuable? Number five, what if anything would have made this meeting more valuable? Now think about that question for a second. That you're asking for free coaching, everyone. That's what it is. It's free coaching right there. So ask that question to get a deeper sense of understanding of what you can do to make the meetings more effective. Now, look at number six. This is a billion dollar question. If you are not asking this question in the beginning of your presentation, you are missing out. And this question right here is the leading cause of what facilitates the objections that you're hearing at the end of your sales process. The greatest salespeople diffuse objections in the beginning of their sales process, not at the end. Okay, so here's the question. Mr. or Mrs. Customer, at this point, what concerns, if any, do you have that can get in the way of us working together? Now, notice here, words are very 
again, I'm uh, being an author, very, very uh, occupational hazard. Okay. What concerns, if any, maybe they don't have any concerns, but I want to smoke out any concerns or objections when they're this big rather than when they're this big. Okay. So that question will pull out any concerns to further qualify if this prospect is worthy of your time investment. Now, as I said before, hyper qualify. Well, let's see what that looks like. What's your typical timeline around making a decision? Hopefully everyone's asking that question. What do you see as the next step? We always need to ask those next step questions. But here's the questions that hyper qualify prospects to see whether or not are they really serious or are they just collecting information from you? Okay. Look at question number nine. If I get the requested information to you by Tuesday, when would you have a chance to review it so we can schedule our next meeting now? If they're not willing to go ahead and schedule that next meeting, that's a red flag right there. What's the concern? Because if I'm going to invest my time putting together the information that's most important to this prospect, you know, it's a give get, you know, it goes both ways. So if we get this information to you by Tuesday, when would you have a chance to review it? Oh, Keith, I'll probably have a chance to review it with our committee by Friday. Wonderful. Then let's go ahead and schedule a time next week. What works for you? Okay. Number 10, what would make you a great client? What would make you an ideal client? Well, I'm going to go off a limb here and think most salespeople don't ask that, especially in the beginning of the relationship and during the qualifying process. They think, whoa, I can't ask that question. I'm going to scare the prospect away. But think about it. The interview process goes both ways. At this point, you've established value. At this point, ask the customer, ask the prospect, what would make you an ideal client? Let them be the one to also, uh, and I'm using this word loosely, um, defend or, or help position themselves of what would make them a great client. Because you know what? I learned a long time ago that if you want to build a business you hate, then just work with people you can't stand. Okay, let's see. Uh, number 11, of course, we need to ask, other than you, who, would, who should be included in the evaluation and decision-making process and should therefore be included in the next meeting? Two of the questions salespeople shy away from are the budget question and the decision-maker question. And the reason why is because you're asking the wrong question. You're asking, are you the decision-maker? When you ask that to someone, you're putting them directly on their defensive and you're kicking in their ego. Of course, I'm the decision maker. Okay. No, listen to the language here. Coaching is all about language. Selling is the language. Okay. Coaching is the language of selling. So here we go. Other than you, I'm acknowledging the fact that they are part of the decision making process. Who else is also part of the decision-making process that we should include in the meeting? It's no longer a closed-ended question. It's acknowledging their role, and you're also opening up to get an answer, not a closed-ended question to shut it down. Okay.
So hopefully these questions you'll find valuable. Uh, again, I'll be making sure everyone gets these questions uh, uh, posted at the end uh, during our uh, next session when this is already recorded live. So um, the other question, as I mentioned before, is the budget question. What's your budget, Mr. and Mrs. Prospect? The first thing they're going to do, I don't know my budget. I don't know. I'm not going to share with you my budget. Well, then ask a different question. How do you typically budget for you know, something like this? How do you typically budget for an investment like this? That's an open-ended question, and I guarantee you'll get more, more responses from that than you normally would. So let's see. Let's keep going. The question's rolling in. Uh, grabbing my glasses to see what else is going on. And uh, what questions here? Let's see what we have. Okay, I have another question that's hitting me on my mobile here. Looks like I'm getting pinged here. And uh, the next question, oh, by the way, let me just stop sharing this right here so we can get rid of that. And open it up back to seeing my, my smiling face, everyone. Okay, let's see. What's another good question that we have coming in here? Uh, looks like we have another question coming in here. Uh, Keith, um, I'm noticing that one of the hardest things to do right now is be productive at work um, while living at home. Now, I think that's certainly a question that we're all struggling with today. Okay, how do you remain productive at work? Okay, and while you're living at home. And my question to you is this, are you living at work or are you working at home? Okay, this is new for everyone. We all struggled with time management even before the pandemic. It's even harder now since our workspace is our home space and our home space is, on, is our workspace. We need to take a different approach to managing our day and managing our time. And the last time I checked, most people do not have a functional routine. This is an opportunity to redesign your day. So not only are you including all the activities that you need to engage in to move you closer to your goals, but also to keep your life in balance and harmony. Because it is, isn't it interesting that the first thing that gets thrown out the window is self-care? The first thing that gets thrown out the window is self-care, okay? This is why it needs to be scheduled in your routine. And if you don't have the appointment, my friends, you no longer have the commitment. So I hope that answered that question. Let's see uh, some other questions that are coming in now. Okay. Cool, one of my favorite, call reluctance. Keith, uh, it's getting harder and harder to prospect today, okay? Uh, it's, it's affecting my confidence, and it's, and it's driving my call reluctance. What do I do, okay? Well, this is the inner game of sales, everyone. This is the inner game of leadership, okay? Um, think about the root cause of call reluctance. Why are salespeople reluctant to deliver a presentation or to pick up the phone uh, and, and cold call? Uh, well, let's break it down. Uh, if I was a salesperson and I was experiencing call reluctance, uh, well, the first thing that it, I would do before picking up the phone is I would have an internal dialogue. And that internal dialogue is going to sound something like this. Oh, no, I don't want to mess this call up. 
I don't want to blow it. I don't want to ruin this opportunity. I don't want to interrupt people. I don't want to mess this up. Notice the common language there, everyone. I, 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 I. Here's the problem. Think about the sales process. There's the salesperson and there's the prospect. Who is the sales process about? The prospect. Who do we make it about? Us. What we have to stand to gain or what we have to stand to lose. So here's the fundamental shift that you need to make to, re to absolutely relinquish. Call reluctance forever. Stop making it about you. It's always about the prospect. Make it about them and the value you can deliver to them rather than about what you can gain, what you have to stand to gain, or what you have to stand to lose. Once you make that shift to delivering value to them, all of a sudden your conversations and the sale becomes a byproduct of your good intentions and focusing on what's most important to them. Okay, I see another awesome question coming in. Let's see. Uh, a step I find in sales, let's go ahead and post this one up. A step I find in sales that's often missed or underestimated is rapport building. Could you speak more of the importance of that? Well, I absolutely can. Thank you so much for that question. <sighs> rapport building in a remote world. That's certainly given, it certainly uh, changed the tide for us, hasn't it? Uh, I want to start with one thing first. Uh, one of the things that I hear salespeople share with me most is, Keith, the most important thing I need to do is develop a relationship, a really good relationship with my customers. You know, that's, that's the secret to sales, developing a really good, deep, fostering a deep, closer relationship with my customers. That's that's the secret to sales. Well, I hate to say this to you, but some of your prospects and customers don't want to have a relationship with you. Now, I'm not saying they all don't, but some of, some of them don't want to have a relationship with you. I mean, I don't remember the last time I went out with my dentist or my financial planner. Um, I, last time I went out with my uh, you know, company who manages my website. And it, it's not like I don't respect them or have a relationship with them. It's that who determines the relationship in a sales conversation? Again, not you, the prospect and your customers. That again reinforces why we need to continually ask questions rather than lead with answers. And that's what the best salespeople do. They lead with questions rather than lead with answers. So when it comes to uh, developing rapport, I want you to consider that you're in my home right now, okay? You are in my home. Welcome to my home. This is my home. And uh, as you can see, I'm a musical fanatic. Yes, I do play as well. And to request that could be done on another call. But my point is this, when you're in a conversation with someone and you're in their home or you're in their office, look around, see what's in their office that maybe is a poster or something that's a trophy or a picture of uh, an, uh, you know, a, a picture hanging on their wall. Use it as an opportunity to say, hey, I noticed that picture there. I noticed that you have a poster of whatever sports team. Are you a big fan? Tell me about that. We've never had this level of exposure 
into people's offices and homes that we did today. So when it comes to building rapport, this certainly is a rapport builder because to me, music is the universal language of the soul. And what connects people in the, everywhere in the world? Music, food, dancing, and of course, coaching. Okay, so as you can imagine, what my, my conversations now, when I'm speaking with customers, <clears throat> the, maybe I'm talking maybe 15 minutes in an hour conversation about what we can do together. We're spending the rest of our time in the beginning just talking about music, talking about our family, just talking about what's going on in their life. And I think that's the biggest thing that we need to be mindful of is that to create a deeper rapport and listen, our customers are struggling just like we are. You know, they're feeling disengaged. They're feeling alone. They're often not feeling connected to their organization. They're often struggling with balancing their home, uh, their home responsibilities with their job. So what about developing a deeper rapport? Well, what if you just ask deeper personal questions? And what questions do those sound like? When you're in a conversation with a prospect and at some time during that conversation or even with your customers, I would implore you to have this type of conversation. And it's a conversation that goes deeper in any conversation you've ever had before. Because after all, the conversations that exist today that we need to have with our customers and prospects didn't exist two years ago because it's a different, different, different landscape now. So what am I referring to? I'm referring to asking questions like, so, you know, Mr. and Mrs. Custom, I'm just curious. I mean, here we are, you know, <laughs> what are we, March 2022? How are things going with you? Because, you know what, I'm still not traveling. I'm still at home. How about you? You know, what's your schedule like? Have you been on the road? Have you been traveling? Um, how, how are you best balancing your day working at home? How do you make that um, determination and that, that definement between the work responsibilities and your home responsibilities? How do you turn off work at the end of the day, Mr. or Mrs. Client? That's one thing I'm struggling with. How do you honor your core values and priorities so you're spending your time with your family and the people that you love? I'm gonna go off on a limb and say, no salesperson is asking those questions and it's not your fault. You've never been trained in this and neither has any organization and that's why we're here talking together. I wanna to make sure there's another part of this question I thought was pretty powerful. Um, seven upon underestimated report building. Speak more about the importance of that. Okay, so uh, as we're doing, um, as I said before, with, with rapport building, I think we nailed that down in terms of asking the different questions and again, leveraging what you're seeing around you uh, in their home, in my home. This creates trust, this creates connection. And I will tell you right now, the new sales strategy, my friends, is very simple. It's care. And how do you demonstrate care? Through coaching. All right. Looks like we have, ooh, awesome. We got a nice comment here. Business relationships of 10 to 20 years is still strong because of this. I love it. And remember, though, your relationships with your customers are also going to change. So this is another topic that is definitely worth touching on. Think about where you were 20 years ago. Think about where you are today. I bet that your priorities, maybe your values, your goals have changed over the years, 
okay? Especially after the last two years. So this is an opportunity also to see what's changed with our customers. You know, if you're a sales manager, taking this conversation and having an opportunity to see what's changing with your sales leaders, with your employees. So when, I'm, when it comes to building deeper relationships, um, I also find it's about also resetting expectations in the relationship. That's really what I want to drive home here is that since 76% of companies have changed the way they buy, as we talked about, people are buying differently. Conversations have changed. Factors have changed, which drive the decision. Okay. So when we're looking at setting expectations, we talked about enrollment before setting positive intent, which is basically Mr. And Mrs. Customer. I'm going to ask you these questions, my objective so that you can achieve this, get the most value from our conversation and the best solution. That's enrollment, aligning your business objective with the customer's goals and priorities. So my question to you is this, when was the last time you had a reset conversation with your customers? Now, what do I mean by that? I could break this up into several different categories. As a matter of fact, I have an article I will also share with everyone in the stream at the end. When I say reset customer expectations, if so much has changed over the last two years, do we know what kind of relationship our customers want today? Just like I said before, many customers may not want a relationship with you, but maybe now they do because they're, 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 they're thirsty for any type of interpersonal connection and, 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 and being able to build that rapport and relationship. So now it is more important than ever. But the thing that I'm driving home is, I still don't know what kind of relationship they want. So what's the question I would ask, Mr. and Mrs. Customer? Um, given the changes in our marketplace, what kind of relationship do you want to establish with me continuing the way it is? Or is there anything you'd like to change or alter in any way? Okay, how about this? Mr. and Mrs. Customer, what's the best way for me to reach out to you today? Okay, because often we assume a lot of things, don't we? An old guy like me, oh, you can call me. That means pick up the phone. Young generation call, text, Twitter, LinkedIn, Instagram, okay, instant message. Call means call to different things here. So when I say call, Mr. and Mrs. Client, what's the best way to reach out to you? I want to know, is it? through a call, a text, an instant message through LinkedIn, tell me what's the best way to get in touch with you. Mr. and Mrs. Client, if we run into a challenge, whether it's with a delivery challenge or a customer service challenge, how would you like to handle it? What's the best way for us to work through this together? We're not asking these questions, okay? These are the questions, the new questions that need to be asked because how you engage with your customers two years ago and what they needed and wanted then is different from what they need and want today. So let's talk about customer service. Do you know what type of customer service you want your clients, um, what they want? No, you don't. You're assuming it. And you're probably assuming it based on what kind of customer service you would want to have. So check this out, simple question. Mr. or Mrs. Customer, how would you define exemplary customer service? That's it, that's it. 
Let them determine what exemplary customer service looks like through their eyes, okay? Then you are now coaching your customers because here's the thing about coaching, my friends. People resist what they hear, but believe what they say. So when I'm asking these questions, I am by default reinventing our relationship and how we work together. Mr. And Mrs. Customer, how often would you like me to check in with you? Mr. And Mrs. Customer, what type of, um, what type of uh, information would you like me to send you or updates would you like me to send you over what period of time? Okay, we are not asking these questions. And these are the questions that we need to do to reset relationships with clients and prospects. So I'm noticing the time here, everyone. It looks like we only have four minutes left. Does anyone have a burning question that they want to go ahead and ask before we start wrapping up? Oh, I see one more question coming in. Hold on. Here we go. Let's see. And this last question is coming from, looks like John. And the question is, gotta put my glasses on here. How do you handle objections in today's world? <laughs> Well, that's a fun conversation, isn't it? Well, let's just end with our conversation with just dealing uh, and shattering the myth around objections. What is an objection? Now, many people have different definitions of it. My personal definition of an objection is a sign of interest, okay? Because they're not directly saying no. They're saying, hmm, I'd like to buy from you, but there's this obstacle that's getting in the way whatever that obstacle is, okay? Now, typically, the reaction from a salesperson would be, but we could deliver a greater value, but we could, maybe I can get you a better price, but maybe I can get 2% off of me to talk to procurement, but uh, you know, our service is better, okay? And we go right into defensive mode, trying to, trying to overcome a customer or a prospect's objection. Well, here's the problem, everyone. Whose objection is it? Is it yours or is it the prospects? It's theirs. So who then needs to overcome the objection? The prospect, not you. Salespeople don't overcome objections. Prospects do. Okay, after all, it's their objection, their concern, they have to resolve it. And of course, what's the best way? To coach them through that possibility. Okay, so they can resolve the, the, the issues themselves. So what would that look like? Um, well, Mr. you know, Keith, uh, you know what? I'm, I'm really struggling. I had a really bad experience with customer service last time and they really didn't deliver on what they said they would. Okay, now I can get into a whole conversation or tell a really good story about how I may have done this with another customer, but there's one problem. I have no idea what bad customer service, delays, a successful engagement, a good relationship looks like. And this is where you can leverage the most powerful tool that you have. One of my favorite questions is called the springboard question. 
And a springboard question allows you to, to, to park your assumptions and go deeper into what the client really wants and needs so that you're asking a question to diffuse the objection. So when they say, I want great customer service at a fair price, you can say, okay, and go right into your presentation. Or you can say, you know what, Mr. Mrs. Prospect, I really appreciate you sharing that with me. When you say great customer service at a fair price, can you say a little more about that? What did I just do? I just built off the last thing that prospect shared with me. Okay. Uh, another example, I want to work with an established team that's, that's going to make sure that they're going to stay in touch with me and honor my deadline. Okay. Well, Mr. and Mrs. Customer, um, when you say established team that's going to honor your deadline, how do you mean? If you don't ask that questions, you're making assumptions. So uh, I know we only have one more minute left. So before we do, I promise you some special gifts that I wanted to make sure I'm sending to you. Uh, number one, let me get gift out number one. Uh, gift number one is I want to make sure that everyone here has a copy and a link to my free course. The first course I want to share with you and the first link I'm going to be sharing with you right now is how to deliver a perfect presentation. And this is one of the highest rated courses on Udemy today. Uh, and here is the link. Of course, I implore you to check out my course on LinkedIn Live, which has also been one of the highest rated courses. Uh, and finally, uh, I want to share with you something else that um, you might find interesting, and that's another resource. And hopefully it's something that you could share with, with, your, with, your, with your team as well. And this is another free course that I'm sharing with you, and it's about how to coach a remote team in our new world. So again, I'm really just trying to give you as many, many resources as I possibly can uh, to ensure that you're getting uh, the value that you need, uh, and then I'm here to support you and be in your corner whenever you need me most. So with that being said, just to wrap up, final, final couple of words here. Uh, I want to thank you for your time today. Uh, I truly hope that this, uh, this session proved valuable for you and you're ready to go out and execute on some of the strategies we talked about. One other thing before I forget, if you're enjoying these sessions, I am actually delivering free sessions for several companies who reach out to me specifically for your sales team or for your sales for your sales leadership team, for your managers. So if you want to have an event and have me do a free Q&A, reach out to me, my email, kr at keithrosen.com, my mobile number, 516-231-2774. So until the next time, I wish everyone extreme success. Remember the ABCs of selling, always be coaching. So until our next time together, this is Keith signing out. I look forward to reconnecting with you soon and keep on coaching, everyone. Bye-bye.